0: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 27 of 211's Baseball Talk. The Walker by Fitz and the Tantrums leading you in if you're listening on Anchor. Today's episode features a very special guest and we'll get into that in Wait just a, minute, a moment. Wait a minute, aren't people tuning in to hear us, Dylan? Isn't that no. why you
1: tune into this one?
0: Well, perhaps. I mean, we are quite entertaining. <laughs> but in this episode we have an incredible a special guest and I had a great interview with him so we'll get into that in just a moment, but here's what Chris and I have on the menu for you today, the Blue Jays signed former Blue Jay, Ben Revere. Uh, and we'll get our first impressions of Vladdy in. That is short, isn't it? But that is short because we have Dan Shulman on the broadcast or on the podcast today. Uh, Dan is a play-by-play announcer for ESPN, Sportsnet. Uh, he also does some college basketball work. I'm sure you all know who Dan Shulman is. Um, pretty big deal. We were super excited to have him on the podcast. The interview was just amazing, so we'll get into that in just a moment. But how are you today, Chris?
1: I'm good. I'm really excited to hear what Dan has to say and then to hear his take on some of the uh, the questions you had ready for him. Uh, super big get for the podcast, so that's exciting, and uh, and I can't wait to hear it. And I'm actually really excited. This is our first like post post-Vladi actual played major league games podcast. So it is indeed excited to touch touch on that a little bit too today
0: and that is what we will do after the dan shulman interview but let's get right into things the blue jays this week signed one-time jay ben revere to a minor league deal uh the 30-year-old revere last played in the big leagues in 2017 with the angels and has bounced around since unable to stick on a big league roster or unable to get onto a big league roster so i ask you this when is it time for the blue jays to part ways with socrates burrito and call up anthony alfred jonathan davis or ben revere
1: four weeks ago Four weeks, Four ago, weeks said, ago, it was time to part with Socrates Brito, but for whatever reason, Socrates and maybe it's the name, is sticking around. But, uh, <laughs> but it, is, it was long ago that that should have happened and, and whether Ben Revere is the person for that role or not, I suspect not. Uh, he, it is important that there are other people out there, other prospects out there. Interestingly enough, Uh, When Kevin Biggio hit his major big home run yesterday, he was playing right field. So, Hmm. yes. So that is a moment. Things that make you go, hmm. And that is one of them. Uh, And Perhaps he's close. I don't know. Uh, But Socrates is not the answer. I think the Blue Jays are aware of that. I think they do know that. I I think they've gone way too long with him. I'm not sure Why? Uh, but I do think they know that that he's just a placeholder for somebody coming in.
0: And I did mention it in the interview with Dan Schulman, as you'll hear, but uh, Scott McArthur had a great tweet on the weekend. If Alan Hansen is here to bunt, why is Kevin Bijan not in the big leagues? Uh, I completely agree with it.
1: Huge take. Huge take, because that is, I mean, that is, I mean, that's just the most basic logic that you really would have to you know, point right at Ross Atkins, I guess, and say, like, what's going on here? I, I mean, that's the reality. And yeah, okay, Kevin Biggio had what, three games of offers it's and then happen, destroyed a the ball last night. I mean, and Ooh. that's you're right. Exactly. It's going to happen. Uh, and, you know, it's going to happen in the big leagues, too. I think he's shown very quickly that he is big league ready. He needs to do his next set of learning in the big leagues, just like Vladdy is. I mean, Vladdy, as we out later, hasn't raked totally learning things that Kevin will, will experience up in the big leagues, and, and maybe it's time for him. Why are we wasting our time with Socrates Burrito? I just don't get it. And mm-hmm. I know Ben Revere is probably, and I'm sure your take is the same, but and you'll get into it in a second, but he's definitely not the answer in the big leagues unless there's an injury or something. But uh, great, great AAA depth, I suppose. Time to move Socrates for sure.
0: It is, and you know what, I think Ben Revere could be, I think we'll see Ben Revere on this team at some point this season because we need that outfield depth, and Socrates Brito just is not the answer. We won't get too deep into this because we do discuss it briefly with Dan Schulman, so let's get, get you right to that Dan Schulman interview. Uh, tremendous interview with him, it was great to have a chance to sit down with a guy with as much baseball He's a legend. Yes, as he has, and without further ado, here is my interview with Dan Schulman. I'm now joined by Dan Shulman, play-by-play announcer for select Sportsnet Blue Jays games, ESPN's coverage of the MLB, and play-by-play for ESPN Radio during the postseason. Dan, how are you today?
2: I'm good, Dylan. How are you doing? I am great.
0: So let's get right into things. Dan, I know you were at Rogers Center for Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s debut. What was the atmosphere like in the clubhouse, and how big has its impact been on the
2: team so far? Uh, in the clubhouse, I don't think it was as noticeable a difference as it was in the stands. To be honest with you, you know, they let all the fans in early for BP and that sort of thing, and everybody was really, really excited. But in the clubhouse, uh, I mean, the players were happy to see him. They all like him. They're, you know, they're excited about what he might to, might uh, be able to bring to the team. Uh, but it wasn't like they were giddy or anything. You know, these are these are grown men and they're professionals, and they, you know, they've seen a lot of players come and go. Um, in terms of the impact he's had, I think he has brought some energy to the team. Uh, I mean, they were playing pretty well before that they had won six out of seven on the road trip before losing two to San Francisco. So I think a lot of things are going well, but there's no question you can see in the way they interact with him in the dugout, um, that they like him. And there's a natural, really positive energy about Vladdy. I think that can be a little bit infectious.
0: Yeah. You know, you see it on TV and that's, that's the only place a lot of fans have seen it. The team seems to be a lot more energetic. than they seem to be in Oakland. They had done really well before that, as you said, before the two losses to San Francisco. And the team, the Jays, had some energy, some newfound extra energy this weekend. And it, it was helped by Brandon Jury hitting a walk-off home run on Friday night, and then hitting a huge game-tying home run yesterday. But there was there was energy to the team that I don't think we really saw before before Vladdy came up.
2: Uh, I think we saw some of it. If you think back a couple of weeks ago to when they were in Boston, they had that game where Guriel stole home. Mm-hmm. They had a hit and run and a couple of steals. And they're they're playing a bit of a different brand of baseball now. They're not just sitting back and waiting for the home run. And I think that gives them some energy. I know the players like it. You know, Stroman was on the mound Friday night for Guerrero's debut. That brings energy, too, especially when Marcus was is pitching well, and he was pitching very well. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Vlad is a part of it. I don't think he's all of it. Uh, you know, I think Eric Sogard has helped a lot. Of mm-hmm. him. He's been extraordinary for them since he's joined the team, and he's taken on a real leadership role, and he's talking to all the younger players, trying to help them out. So I think there are a lot of different things that have really made the look and the energy of the team feel different.
0: Yeah, another guy that's really looked like he's taken on a leadership role is Marcus Stroman. I don't know if he had that role before. But and we didn't, we just didn't see it. But he seems to have taken on a whole new role this year where he is big with the young kids in the clubhouse and he's really pitching well. So, has he always been a leader in that clubhouse or has he really stepped things up this year?
2: Well, when he came in as a very young player, you know, that he wasn't a leader. And I think if you go back a couple of years, the leaders on the team were veteran players like, um, you know, a Russell Martin, a Donaldson, a Bautista, a Jay Happ, a Marco Estrada. Guys like that. There's been so much turnover that I think it's left a bit of a leadership void, and you know, new players are finding your way. You you can't just say, "Hey, I'm a leader." It's got to come naturally, and the other players have to respond to you. But I think Marcus is doing a little bit more uh, of that this year. If, If you follow him on social media, he's talking a lot about his teammates. He's talking a lot about Vladdy. Uh, He's taken, uh, he took Panone and one of the other young pitchers. I can't remember who it was out shopping when they were on the road somewhere. And I think he is trying, this is an important year for Marcus Stroman. I mean, he didn't have a great year last year. He's, uh, you know, he's less than two years away from free agency and he seems energized again, just by being healthy and pitching well uh, and being, you know, like a guy like Randall Gritchick too. I mean, all of a sudden they're like one of the older guys, some of the older guys in the clubhouse. Whereas last year, They seem like they were some of the younger guys, but a lot has changed on this team in the last year.
0: Yeah, a lot has changed, you're right, and a lot of guys have stepped up their leadership game a little bit for the young kids, staying with those prospects. Down in AAA Buffalo, Kevin Biggio is red hot. So if he stays hot throughout the year, what do you do with him?
2: I think he's got to come up at some point. Um, I don't think it's quite as simple as a lot of fans think it is in terms of Bichette and Biggio. You know, if they both come up, this year, then that means that Guerrero, Bichette and Biggio are all going to be free agents at the same time as well. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's a a deal breaker, but I think it's something to consider. Do you want to stagger their free agency a little bit so you don't risk losing all of them at the same time? But, you know, Biggio to me is a little bit different than Vladdy or Bichette because he's older. He's already 24 years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Guerrero's 20 and Bichette's 21. I I mean, if Bichette keeps this up much longer, he's going to force his way onto the team. Um, the issue is the positions that he plays, uh, second base is his first position. He also plays first and some third, a little bit of outfield, but he's really more of an infielder. Those are pretty crowded positions right now for the Blue Jays. So, you know, I think some of it has to do with what's going on at the major league level. How's Sogard doing? How's Drury doing? Is Galvis somebody who's going to be here all year? Because if Galvis gets traded, maybe somebody else moves to short and that frees up second base a little bit. If smoke gets traded, that frees up time at first base. So there, you know, there are really a, a lot of things uh, to consider. But I, I, if Biggio keeps going anywhere near as well as he's been going the first month of the season, he's got to come up. And I, I'd love to see him. I mean, his numbers last year were really good. His numbers this year are even better. He's a left-handed batter, which I like. They need that. He walks a ton, which I like and they like. And I, I think he's a guy who could hit up near the top of the order when he gets to the big leagues.
0: Yeah, for sure. And he's been really good in AAA. And I think I heard Scott MacArthur mention on Blue Jays Central yesterday that his numbers have only gotten better through, the, through every level in the minor leagues. Yes. Um, and like you said, the, the left-handed bat is needed for this team in the big leagues right now. Um, is he first in line for a call up? I know they have to add him to the 40-man. So besides Richard Arania, is he near the top of that list?
2: I think it depends. I, I, you know, he's had a great month. If he's mm-hmm. if if he has another great month, I think he's at the top of the list. Right now, I still think there's a little bit of a wait and see attitude. I mean, two years ago, he wasn't considered that big of a prospect. Last year, had a really good year at Double A, put himself on the map. This year, an even better year so far, and uh, you know, so his star is continuing to rise. So, but I I think it depends what he does over the next several weeks, and also what the needs. Uh, of the parent club, of the Blue Jays are. And, and again, it could come down to, does somebody get hurt? Does somebody go into a slump? Does somebody get traded? That sort of thing. Yeah, and, you know, if, if a guy keeps doing well, really well, he forces his way onto the roster. There are no two ways about it. So I, I think right now the issue is, do the Blue Jays see him as an everyday guy at one position or as more maybe of a super utility guy who moves around the field? And I don't, I don't think we know the answer to that yet.
0: Yeah, I'll be interesting to see where he plays throughout the the rest of the year in triple a correct me if i'm wrong here but he plays all the same positions as alan hans alan hansen and he might have a better bat so is hansen the guy you would consider taking off of the 40 man to off the roster to get bijou up
2: yeah sure he'd be under consideration the issue is um you know because hansen is out of options if you Mm -hmm. try to put him through waivers you risk losing him so right now I think right now it's about keeping as many assets in the organization as they can. The secondary thing is is who's on the big club, who's at AAA, and I know that's a difficult thing for people to wrap their heads around, but in a season where they are not expected to be a contender, it's just about getting as much talent into the organization as they can. At some point, I see Hanson not being on the roster. At some point, I see Brito not being on the roster, mm-hmm. uh, and other guys getting a chance, but um, Hanson can... Hanson is a little more versatile defensively than Biggio is, uh, but I think Biggio's upside and long-term future are obviously much greater. So uh, at some point this year, I believe Cap and Biggio will be with the Blue Jays, but I'm not sure when it'll be.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, staying in the minor leagues, Dan, do you think that prospects coming up at such a young age has watered down the competition a little bit in the minor leagues?
2: No, I, I I think a guy like a Guerrero and even a Bichette are kind of exceptions to the rule. The average age, if I'm not mistaken, in Triple A is like 27 years old, and it's 24, 25 and Double A. The Blue Jays are just blessed with a couple of guys who are extraordinarily talented and extraordinarily young. So uh, I'm not sure guys are coming up any. I haven't seen a study to you know pro or con that says guys are coming up um, quicker or younger than they used to. Some of these guys, like a Guerrero, actually got held down a little bit longer. Um, you know, allegedly for service time issues, or he could have been up at the age of 19. So um, I, I don't think it's watering things down. I, and, and I know the Blue Jays are putting a real emphasis this year, and I think this is great. And it's something that wasn't being done enough in the past. They're putting a real emphasis on every level of the organization, teaching the same things the same way. So as the players move up through the system, uh, they know what's expected of them. They know how it's going to be taught to them. And when they get to the big leagues, Uh, That, you know, that plan and that mindset are already in in place. So um, I I think, too, that Mark Shapiro um, is an executive who kind of errs on the side of caution and he doesn't bring players along all that quickly. I think he likes to really and and Ross Atkins, too. They like to really see guys have success at one level before they go to the next level. So uh, I think, if anything, the Blue Jays are a little bit cautious in how quickly they bring guys along
0: yeah, it does seem that way. I mean, a big thing for the front office, or at least it seemed like it was a big thing last year, was making sure that every guy got to every level in the minor leagues. and you saw teams bringing guys up from Double A. The Blue Jays weren't like that. They sent Vladdy yep. to AAA, and obviously that was because of service time. But they have moved people up from double A AA to AAA, and they they want to make sure that they get their full development at every level. like they, yep. they get their maximum development in the minor leagues. And that's that's great. So, you know, I don't know if I don't know how it could be watering down the minor the minor league competition.
2: But I, yeah, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to make sure that when a, a prospect comes up to the major leagues, hopefully he's there to stay. That mm-hmm. he, he's ready to be there. That they don't have to go up and down, up and down with him. Now, some guys like a Richard Urania kind of get caught up in that numbers game and when they need somebody because Arrhenio's got options, he goes back down. But for the, you know, the real cream of the crop prospects, um, they want to make sure they're ready. It's not a race to get them there. It's a a plan to make them good enough to stay there when they get there. And, And again, this is a team that came into this year, not publicly saying this, but probably not thinking about contending this year. This is a development year for the Blue Jays. If they contend, that's a bonus and it actually... Uh, makes things a little more complicated and, and forces them into some very difficult, interesting decisions. Uh, but it, because it's a development year, it's not about getting guys up as soon as they can to help this year. It's about having them be as good as they can be when they when they do come up.
0: Yeah, You want to plan to have a, a team that can contend and
2: compete for a World Series for as long as you possibly can, and
0: rushing guys to the big leagues is not going to do that. Let's take a look at an AL East foe now, the New York Yankees. They've had a nightmare scenario with injuries so far this year. So, in your opinion, what do you think the Jays need to do to avoid a similar scenario with their next wave of talented prospects?
2: Uh, well, I think some of the you know sometimes injuries are just freak things, um, mm-hmm. and what's happened to the Yankees this year has been unbelievable. You know, every team has a training staff or a high performance department or whatever they want to call it. So, uh, the Yankees are just the team this year that are snake bit. The Blue Jays have had more than their fair share of injuries the last couple of years, and they've had some this year. But, but I think it's a reasonable number of injuries I I think all you can do is is um, stay on top of the players and keep working with them in terms of their training regimen that they're you know not just lifting weights they're working on agility and flexibility they're getting their rest they're hydrating their their nutrition is good you know again some things are a fluke if you get hit by a line drive like Nate Pearson did last year and you break your arm there's nothing you can do about it Mm -hmm. Uh, Marcus Stroman Torres ACL like the Matt Shoemaker play I'm not sure there's anything you could do about him tearing his, uh, his ACL in a rundown. That's just kind of a fluke thing. The ones that concern me are when you see a team that has just a ton of like strained hamstrings, obliques, calf injuries, like pulled muscles. To me, those should be more avoidable and should be the kind of thing that you can help players train with in order to reduce the chances. But you're never going to eliminate injuries. And, and mm-hmm. without question, some of it is just a case of luck.
0: Yeah, and there are some freak injuries, like I forget who it was in spring training, that hurt something in their back by cooking chicken.
2: Maybe, I can't remember I mean, who it I was. I think that
0: was Joe yeah. Kelly. Yeah, But, I mean, but yeah, there's, there are so many freak injuries, and it seems like the Jays have a good staff up in the big leagues right now to prevent those pulled muscles and uh, things like that.
2: Hopefully, I mean, they, they've they really you know increased their staff exponentially in the last three or four years their training staff and they have a full-time staff down in Dunedin at the minor league complex which is currently being renovated to go from one of the oldest in baseball uh, to what we hope will be one of the most modern and extensive in baseball we won't see the the fruits of that labor until we go down there for spring training next year but they're redoing the whole complex down in Florida so when a player gets hurt he goes down to Dunedin and, and he trains down there so uh, you know, they're trying to do all the right things. They're spending a ton of money, putting a lot of energy into it. Uh, and it's tremendously important. A, a team like the Blue Jays needs their guys on the field if they're going to have a chance to compete.
0: Yeah, and it seems like the uh, the Blue Jays front office, Mark Shapiro, Ross Atkins, are really working hard, as you said, to make the Blue Jays one of the most advanced teams in the league in keeping guys healthy and analytics and stuff like that which I think is great to see, and they're, they're moving with the game because the game is changing, and it's, not a, it's an analytics game now, and the Blue Jays are moving with that, which is great to see.
2: Yeah, they definitely are. They've come a long, long way, again, going from one of the tail-end franchises in those areas to, I think, one of the leaders. The one thing I, that I like to see or hope for is that they don't completely take the human element out of it because they're not robots. It's not just numbers. Um, you know how a player feels, putting him in a good position to succeed, uh having good coaches and a manager who make him feel good and and know how to reach that player those are all real things so that these are human beings, just like the rest of us and i I think the the staff is good that way. I think Charlie Montoyo is really good that way. I think he 's a nice blend of understanding and using analytics, but also having that human touch and and you know we 've seen at times in games the style of baseball that he 's played is not really what the analytics department is uh, is in favor of you know moving runners a bunt here a steal there steal a home whatever uh you know charlie will try some different things but i think he's got a really good human touch to him and i think that's great because you know he's often a go between between the front office and the players and i think if they can blend the analytics and the human element they'll be in good shape
0: yeah and i was about to bring up charlie montoya as well because he is he works with analytics he was a tampa bay he was a former tampa bay Ray, right so he he understands analytics, but he does have a great human touch to him. Like you said, he's great with the players, and they seem to all love him, and he understands how they feel. So he is a perfect blend, and I think that the Jays' front office did a good job in getting him and not someone that, have, that would focus too much on analytics or not use them enough. So finally, taking a look at the 40-man roster for the Blue Jays, it's becoming a little clogged with guys like Socrates, Burrito, placeholders, if you will. So if you're the Jays front office, when do you begin cutting ties with these players in favor of the next wave?
2: Well, the, the it's a vague answer, but it depends. It depends on everybody. Like we talked about Vigio before, you know, if he hits 150 over the next month, then you put that on hold for a bit. If he hits 350 mm-hmm. over the next month, then you may have a decision to make. But um, changes are coming. I think Vigio will be here at some point this year. I'm not 100% sure that Bichette will be, but I think, biggio will be um you know david phelps is going a reliever i think he'll be on the team at some point coming back from tommy johns so he'll have to go on the 40 man um ryan barucky is but when you go on the 60 day dl you're not on the 40 man they'll have to get barucky back on the 40 man to get him on the team so i know those are a couple of pitchers i just mentioned but yes moves are coming and and listen to brito is whatever he is two for 31 or something like that if he keeps struggling then at some point we're going to see Anthony Alford, although Alford hasn't hit very well. No. You know, and, that, and that's why the answer is it depends. So, you know, you got one guy hitting like Biggio, you got one guy hitting like Alford, two very different situations. But at some point, I would expect to see Alford or maybe even Jonathan Davis uh, get a call-up to the big leagues to get a look if Brito keeps struggling. And and I agree with you. I think Brito and Hanson are not likely to be here the entire season. I think at some point this year it'll be players – who are in the farm system now, who will be taking their places on the Major League roster.
0: Yeah, and everyone tends to bring up Anthony Alford when uh, when they think of an outfield call-up, but Jonathan Davis is kind of going under the radar. Yeah, he, cool. he didn't hit well in the big leagues last year in September, but he hits well in the minor leagues. He's got speed. He plays a, plays a good defensive game. So I don't see why Jonathan Davis wouldn't be called up by the end of the year.
2: Well, I, I think when you're a, a higher draft pick like an Alford is and you've had a little more hype and they've paid you a little bit more money in a signing bonus or whatever, you've got a bit of a head start. You know, a guy like a Jonathan Davis, a guy like a Kevin Pilar, when he was coming up in the Jays system, I think those kinds of guys have to work a little bit harder. I think the tie goes to the, you know, the, the earlier draft pick, the bigger hyped prospect. But uh, I know for a fact Davis is turning some heads, opening some eyes, um he's a good center fielder he's a good fielder if he can hit a reasonable amount i i think he can help so uh, again he might have to prove himself a little bit longer and listen when you make a trade for a guy like they did with brito uh it's kind of hard sometimes to just give up on it in three weeks and say we made a mistake you want to let it play out a little bit longer see if it turns around but at some point if the numbers continue to be what they've been so far then a change is inevitable
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, Brito's not been a great hitter in the big leagues in the past. Quickly, before we let you go, um, Matt Shoemaker's – the Blue Jays need a fifth starter May 3rd, I believe I heard. Um, Who do you think is most likely to fill that empty spot
2: in the rotation? I think they could go a number of ways. I think it's Saturday, May 4th. Is coming Saturday in Arlington, and and it it depends on how taxed the bullpen is uh, in the few days leading up to it. I think if they can do kind of a bullpen day – maybe even like a Tampa Bay-style opener. Maybe they start Daniel Hudson and he goes three outs or four or five outs. And then if they can go Panone to Gavillo, and, you know, those guys can give them multiple innings, I think they're going to try to do it from within on the pitching staff. But if the bullpen gets really worn out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday because of some short starts, then they're going to have to call somebody up from the minors. I, I, they don't want to have to make a move on the 40-man roster, I don't think. Uh, Jacob Wagaspak is a guy at AAA Buffalo who's on the 40-man roster. He's pitching okay. Sean Reed Foley is not pitching well, uh, so I don't think he would warrant an, another call-up. So uh, I think if if they if the Jays can, can do it, I think they'll try to do it from within, even if it means kind of having a bullpen day.
0: So from your answer, I, I take it that Clayton Richard and Ryan Baraki, well, Ryan Baraki obviously not, but Clayton Richards isn't too close to getting back?
2: I don't think he started throwing in games yet. So if, right. he has, if, he hasn't, if he hasn't started throwing in games down in the minors, I think he's still a, a couple of weeks away. So, yeah, I, I don't think he'd be ready.
0: Yeah, a bullpen game does seem like the most likely option, and it, it, it could work out. It's worked out in the past. So, Dan, yep. thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure to have you on. Enjoy the rest of the season. We'll have to have you on again sometime.
2: All right, Dylan. Thanks. Take care. You too.
0: Once again, great interview with Dan Shulman. I hope you all enjoy it. I'm sure you did. Thanks again to Dan for coming on the podcast. Is there Moving really anything
1: on... Dan Schulman does that you, you you don't enjoy? I mean really? No. Uh, a great guy and great uh, obviously history in in not just baseball but basketball too and in, in broadcasting. And he's Canadian too, and he's he's a legend across the industry. So amazing, and thank you to Dan for joining uh, joining the podcast for
0: sure. For sure, Dan Schulman. Great interview. Thanks again. Moving on, however, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., as you mentioned briefly at the beginning, it is our first post-Vladdy big league debut episode. So Vlad Jr. made his debut on the weekend, and he has his first series in the books. So what have your first impressions been of big league Vladdy?
1: Well, I think he's been good. I think he's he's been exactly as anticipated. Maybe even a little better defensively than I thought I was going to see. But uh, you know, I I did not expect as much as 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 most people expected uh, him to come out and hit seven dingers in his first game. And you know, that's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen with any prospect. It, it, anybody who thought that was going to happen is out of their minds. Uh, it, it is it is to for the fact that he has had three games, three hits. Uh, well, actually, four games as of last night uh, with three hits. And, you know, they pitched around them all night last night, a t- couple of walks um, in Anaheim. You know, I, I think this guy's done a great job so far. I'm actually – I wasn't even watching the at-bats as much as, as I was watching the defense. I mean, I, I hoped for hits, and and there were a couple things that just were rocketed out. remember that catch in uh, oh, Jerks uh, left and field.
0: Props to Jerickson Profar. Yeah, great play he, he took away days. his
1: first double. He ended up getting that first double that same game. But, um, but hey, he could have had two doubles that day. Uh, yeah, Chad Pinder, was,
0: sorry, was the guy Friday night, and then Jerkson Pro for me to catch Saturday.
1: Yeah, yeah, and there was a couple of squared-up line drives, too, that just got to infielders, and and, uh, and so, you know, those hits will come. I'm not worried at all about his bat. What I was really watching for was the defense, and I don't know what your take on his defense is so far, but I, I say, you know what, and the kid's ready.
0: Honestly... I was surprised by how good his defense was. He didn't have a ton of plays in the game, but he, when he had to make a play, he was more than solid defensively. I was super impressed. He got the balls on the run, making nice plays. He got the routine balls. The one thing, and I think I heard Dan and Buck mention it on the TV broadcast, was that he's going to have to learn that it's, it's the big leagues now. He's got to move a little bit quicker. There's big league speed. But other than that, I was really, really impressed with Vlad's defense, and he made a great uh, diving stop to night against the Angels, which was which was shocking to me. I, I shouldn't say shocking. He's he's a good defensive player, but based on how everyone, how the Blue Jays seem to think that his defense needed a ton of work, and I know that was just for service time. I know, trust me, I do. But his defense has been surprisingly good so far in the big leagues. And if that's how he's going to play defensively at third base, I think it's a long time before we see him move on to first base, as long as he keeps in good shape. As far as offensively, he was good. I cannot complain about how he did offensively. He went one for four in three games and then 0 for two last night. I think it was with two walks. So the fact that, players and pitchers and teams are starting to pitch around the guy and he doesn't even have a big league home run yet shows you how good of a hitter he is yes he fell for a few veteran pitcher tricks on the weekend against the a's but still he impressed me at the plate he impressed me yesterday in anaheim defensively he's been stellar and i don't think it'll be too long i think by next week's episode Lottie will have hit his first big league home run
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, there was a lot of pressure there. I mean, dad was there. Dad's (laughs) a Hall of Famer. Dad was there all weekend. Uh, you know, a lot of things that made him probably swing at pitches he normally wouldn't on an everyday basis. So, you know, and, and that's not to say he struck out a lot. I mean, he really didn't. I mean, there were a couple in there. But, uh, you know, it, it was it was just, I think, the pressures of everything and the attention of everything. And, I mean, he even got that in Anaheim last night. I don't know if you saw some of the tweets. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think it was Scott MacArthur. Or it was uh, – no, it couldn't have been Scott MacArthur. He was in Toronto. But it was Ben Wagner, I think, that
2: yes, tweeted ben a Wagner. photo
1: of uh, – uh, a group of of reporters surrounding Vladdy. I mean, it was huge. I mean, I know his dad played there as well, but I mean, he's there's no shortage of pressure and attention on this poor kid right now. <laughs> and uh, and so for him to go one for four in three straight games and zero for two last night, but drawing two walks, I'm happy with that. And as you said, the 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 defense is there. It's there. Yes. And and yeah, it was probably a bit of service time manipulation there, but I do believe he did need some work. I actually believe the Blue Jays on that one, um, that there was some work to be done on his defense. I think he's there, though, and great to have him. I don't foresee him going back. Let's hope he stays healthy. I
0: don't either. Yeah, as long as he stays healthy, I don't see him going back to the minor leagues anytime soon. Quickly, before we wrap things up, uh, you and I were picking away at Vlad's spot in the lineup the past couple of days. Would you like to get into that?
1: Yeah, I just I don't like it. I don't like him batting fifth. I don't think he's protected at all, and I think you need to protect a kid like this. Uh, he's They're just going to pitch around him. They did it last night. You saw it to, super clear last night with the two walks. Uh, to get to, was it McKinney last night, or was it uh Drury? I think it was Tellez last night. Okay, well, tonight it's the same thing. I've seen the lineup for tonight, but it's Drury this time. Maybe with how hot Drury's been lately, you don't pitch as much around Blatty. Um, But in the fifth spot, I just feel like he's getting pitched around too much. Uh, he needs to move up in that lineup to be able to get see some good pitches and maybe get some extra hits.
0: Yeah, listen, I've, I've said this to people before, and it's just my suggestion. I'm just throwing it out there. Obviously, people with more data and better better opinions on it but I think maybe you try bumping Randall Gritchick up to the two spot keep Sogard in the leadoff spot and then have Vladdy bat third with Smoke cleaning up I don't know that's one suggestion I've heard many and I agree with a lot of them I just don't think that Vlad Guerrero Jr. should be batting fifth ahead of Billy McKinney I think that it's not helping him at the plate and I don't think that he's going to get anything to hit if he's got these guys after him I think Smoke or Gritchick is the perfect the perfect hitters to bat behind Vladdy because if you don't if you don't pitch to Vladdy, you have to deal with Justin Smoke, who's got a ton of power, or you have to deal with Randall Grichik, who's got a ton of power. So yeah. that gives Vladdy some protection. And right? I now, agree. He's I agree. not getting that.
1: Yeah, I agree. And 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 the thing is, you pitch around Vladdy, you put him on base, and then you put Smoke up to bat, and he hits one out instead of hitting a solo homer. Now he's got a two run shot. The likelihood they want to do that is very slim. It's just a perfect spot for Vladdy. I think fifth is is not the place for him uh, now. I'll, I'll just sort of put a little asterisk beside that and say that I understand what Montoya's doing, putting him lower in the lineup, and that you want to take the pressure off of him, uh, especially in the early going. But we've only seen him move out of the fifth spot once, I believe, and uh, shots at the third or fourth spot in the lineup for sure.
0: Yeah. I agree with that, and it was Saturday that we only saw that we saw him uh, hit fourth. It was the only game that he moved out of that uh, fifth spot, and I think that he's gonna have to move up in the lineup. And once he gets there, I think that he he will start raking. Obviously, he's not gonna hit four home runs in a game in his second week in the big leagues. He wasn't gonna do that in his debut, nor would he have done that on the weekend but I think he's going to maybe get a couple of hits in a game if he has protection, because right now there's no reason for any pitcher, no matter how good your stuff is, no matter how hard you throw to pitch to Vlad Guerrero jr. So this has been episode 27 of 211's baseball talk. My name is Dylan Baker. Thank you all very much for tuning in Dan Shulman. Great interview. Great guy for Chris Baker, Dan Shulman. I am Dylan Baker. We'll see you all next Thursday.